Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 316. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are having a great week and as we release this, a great holiday season. This week is a fun week where I jumped on our Facebook group, in our Facebook group, the Pre-Med Hangout, which if you're not part of, you should be. And I said, hey, I want to record some Q&A. So I said, give me your phone number, I'll give you a call, and we'll record it for the podcast. And so what you're about to hear are those recordings with pre-med students. So if you're not in the Hangout, you are missing opportunities like this one to jump on a call with me and have your questions answered. I also want to let you know about the Medical School HQ Instagram page. I am trying to get to 10,000 followers on the Instagram page. I'm at almost 8,300. And if I can get to 10,000 by December 31st, then there's something special that will happen. December 31st is the deadline for our first quarterly essay contest, our scholarship essay contest, where the winner gets $2,000, second place gets $750, and third place gets $250. If we can hit 10,000 followers on Instagram by December 31st, I will double that scholarship entry. So follow me on Instagram, Medical School HQ, and then enter the scholarship essay contest by going to premedscholarship.com. Let's go ahead and jump into our questions today. My question is, um, you know, it's, it's good to be unique in an interview, but how, how out there is too out there? Ah. Right. So um, if I say that I um, stalked Mikhail Gorbachev, <laughs> is that is that too far out there? Will they think that I stalk like anybody or I mean, it, it, I say it jokingly, of course, but can you be that liberal with with jokes in an interview? Uh, I would not try to joke in an interview because you have no idea how it's going to be received. So I would completely avoid it um, at all costs. And it, okay. it, it's funny, it, the way that you phrased it, 
standing out in an interview. I, I, I cringe when I hear that because students, when they hear that, they think they need to be different. They need to, they need to uh, like go and sell themselves in some way to, to quote unquote stand out. When really the way that you stand out is just by being yourself and telling your story because your story is going to be different than everybody else's. And students don't like to hear that because they think they need to to stalk Michelle Gorbachev to uh, to to stand out. <laughs> but I actually did stalk the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would admit that. I just wanted to meet him. And so I met him and then my stalking days were over. So it was oh, okay. very limited, uh, very limited <laughs> on my, my crime time frame. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, so <laughs> joke jokes, I would avoid and, and then just, just tell your story. Like if, if, if the question came up, like what's something that most people don't know about you, then you could say, Oh, I met Mikhail, uh, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev and, uh, here's how I met him, blah, blah, blah. Right. You could work in that story somehow. That would be interesting, right. uh, but I, I would right. avoid the the joking part of it, just because you have no idea how it's going to be received. Right, definitely don't lead with stalking. Yes, don't <laughs> lead with stalking. That that is that's pre med one hundred and one. So, what is your question? So, my question is. Um, I had a really bad semester this semester, and I'm kind of a non-traditional student starting over, and I'm wondering if it's better just to kind of move on and just do better here on out, or if I should be retaking classes. It depends on what a not a good semester means. Like, did you get Bs, Ds, Fs? What does that mean? Two Cs. Two Cs. In what classes? Um, Statistics and a chem class. A chem class. What does A chem class mean? Like chemistry 101 uh, kind of class? Yeah, 113. Um, so statistics, I'm not super concerned about because it's statistics and statistics is <laughs> boring. Um, but yeah. but you don't go on typically and take more higher level stati- uh, statistics. But for chemistry, you're going to go and take more high, higher level courses and so yeah. the concern with the C is, did you understand the material and didn't test well, or do you not understand the material enough to move on to a higher level course? I bombed my final. I did really well in the other tests, but okay. my final was worth 40% and Ooh. just bombed my final. Okay. So in your mind, you probably understood the material, material you just had one bad test. Yeah. Okay, so in that case, I wouldn't retake it because I, it, with the new, uh, especially for DO schools, with grade replacement going away a couple years ago now, retaking the course doesn't really do anything to the original course. It's still going to be there. Grades are going to be average no matter what. And so retaking it's not going to really make a difference other than on your application, it's going to be marked as a repeat course so that the admissions committee can see, oh, a C in chemistry. Oh, but I see it was retaken. Let me go see what the retake grade is. Oh, it's an A. Okay. Um, I, I don't think a C in one chemistry class is going to kill you. A C in stats is fine. Um, just make sure you don't make it a habit. So there's no grade replacement? There is zero grade replacement anywhere, anytime. The only kind of... Uh, hope for some students is Texas application has the, uh, I think it's called Fresh Start program. 
but that's specific to Texas medical schools and their application. So what is your question or questions? Um, well, first of all, I'm trying to get clinical experience in for my medical school application. And I was wondering if scribing is like the best option or do medical schools not necessarily clinical experience you get? Um, define best option from, from the medical school admissions committee standpoint. Yes. So there technically isn't a best option. Actually scribing in some admissions committees minds isn't clinical experience. Although the majority of schools out there would consider it. And, and as a student, I wouldn't bother trying to figure out which one's consider it clinical, which ones don't. It just is what it is. You're not going to please every school, every admissions committee with everything that you're doing. Um, The best one really is the one that you enjoy the most, the one that you're going to take away the most from, the one that you're going to be the most passionate writing about, the one that you're going to be the most passionate talking about in your interviews. That's the best one. Okay. How, how do I better prepare myself and my application so as not to take a gap year? Where are you in the process now? Um, I'm a sophomore in college, and I'm trying to plan it out so that I would have enough experiences and enough all of my prerequisites done and all of my shadowing done so that I would be able to apply to medical school right away. Right now, there's a big tendency for people to take gap years, mm-hmm. but for me, it it works out better if I don't. Why do you say that? Um, speaking from a financial point of view, I don't have to pay back student loans until, unless I'm working full time. Mm. Plus from the community I come from, they all push towards not taking a gap year. I'm not burned out or anything like that. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't mind starting medical school right away. Yeah, and and most students still go right into medical school from undergrad. So it's it's still the norm to to go straight through. Although the the age is creeping up and gap years are becoming more and more and more common. So how do you prepare to not take a gap year? You do exactly everything that you're doing. You get your prereqs in. You uh, understand that preparing for the MCAT while you're taking classes, while you're potentially preparing your application is going to be a super crazy busy semester and you just deal with it. But the fact that you uh, are thinking about it this far in advance as a sophomore means that you are more than likely going to be fine because you're you're planning for it so far in advance. Um, there are just there are a lot of uh, variables. there are a lot of small pieces to the puzzle when it comes to the application and everything that's going on. The one thing that I would ca- that I would caution you on the the language that you used, uh, making sure that you're done with your shadowing, I think is is the language that you use. Make sure that you're not just racking up uh, fifty hours, a hundred hours of shadowing by the end of your sophomore year, and then you're saying, "Okay, I'm done with that. I can now focus on MCAT or focus on this other thing." Make sure that you stay consistent with your shadowing and clinical experience and volunteering and, and everything that you're doing. You don't want to just rack up the hours and then and then stop doing those things. Okay. 
Uh, coming from as a student who used to be a pre-PA kid, um, I used to have this mentality of I have to grab a certain number of clinical hours and mm-hmm. a certain number of volunteer experience. Mm-hmm. For medical school, is there a certain amount of hours that I need to do volunteering versus actually having a healthcare job? Is it better to volunteer or to actually have a job or do medical schools even care about that? No. PA, PA school, pre-PA is much different um, than medical school. The For pre-PA, the emphasis on clinical experience is huge. And you need, uh, it's like a thousand plus hours, right, of clinical experience. And for, for most people, that means having a job. Uh, but for medical school, a, a hundred, a couple hundred hours is plenty and it could be a job, it could be volunteering, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is as long as you're getting it. Okay. Um, so it doesn't matter if I'm volunteering as an EMT versus working as a scribe. Correct. Okay, that actually is really nice because I was really worried about that. Um, I It doesn't seem like I'll be able to become a scribe because I have another part-time job that pays me really well and so I was really worried about that (laughs) you mean you don't want to work for minimum wage as a scribe (laughs) um not particularly (laughs) when I still have to pay my own bills yeah it's it's hard to be a scribe if if that's what you're relying on to support yourself uh it's a great pre-med job but it's not a very high-paying job the the one caveat I would put is I I met a pre-med student I think she was based in Minnesota who uh, is working as a scribe, but directly for the hospital and actually gets paid, I think, twice as much as the, the scribe company was paying uh, paying her before she got the hospital job. So there are some of those little secret scribe jobs out there if you can find them. But for the most part, it's a very low-paying job. Any other questions? How to better prepare for endurance for the MCAT. I'm starting MCAT prep this winter break. And after taking my first really long test is, for the EMT mm-hmm. certification exam, I found out that I don't have as much endurance as I thought I did in test taking. So yeah. how do I build that up? How do, how do you, how, how would one prepare for a marathon? You train yourself mm-hmm. and take it step by step and run lots of practice marathons. Yeah, you run lots of, and actually you don't even run practice marathons. You, uh, I've run a couple half marathons and the longest uh, the longest that I ran, I think training wise, you get up to 12 miles, I think and the half, the half marathon is 13.1. And so how you prepare for the MCAT is you, you sit down and you take lots of full length practice exams to prepare your body for sitting there. You prepare your body for sitting there by sitting there and taking the test over and over and over again, which is why practice tests are one of the most important parts of the the preparation for the the MCAT. And so I always recommend at least at a minimum the AAMC materials. The AAMC has three scored full-length exams and one unscored. Uh, Next Step Test Prep has 10 full-length exams. The, the MCAT podcast, we've been going over full-length 10. Uh, so you can do that. You can save 10% by using the promo code MSHQ as well on those. Um, so, so practice exams, a hundred percent. What is your question? Um, so one of the questions I have, I asked on the non-trad, uh, group and no one answered, 
was for non-trad women um, who are thinking about having children before they start medical school and your thoughts on being pregnant during interviews. Mm-hmm. Well, as the male answering this question, um, it's it's tough, right? You you have this this thought of, am I going to be judged? What are they going to think? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my answer is, it, like, who cares what they think? Uh, if if a medical school is going to judge you on being a female and wanting a family and and being pregnant, they suck as a school anyway. Um, and so, I mean, that's that's like my my just innate response to that, my knee jerk response to that. But then reality mm-hmm. kicks in and. They go, hmm, if she's pregnant now, is she going to get pregnant again? Are we going to have to give her time off to to have her kid, take care of her kid? What other issues are going to come up, right? Having a baby is a, quote, issue, of course. Um, and, and so all these questions are going through their head. And, and do they potentially see that as a hindrance? Potentially. It's... it's it, I mean, humans are humans, and if they see something that is going to potentially get in the way of your education, and and kids can definitely do that, they get in the way of everything. Um, yep. Then, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that you just need to to weigh. Uh, is it worth the potential of 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 the repercussions of being pregnant, or do you? Okay. Do you plan it as strategically as possible to only be ten weeks pregnant or twelve weeks pregnant during the majority or during uh, like the later part of the interview season, so that you have most of your interviews before you start showing? Yeah. Okay. Um, another question that I've had is: so I work at a military medical center. Okay. Um, I work at Bamsey. Gotta love Bamsey. Bamsey and Bamsey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, we're back to Bamsey now. Okay. Um, and I've worked here for five years. Okay. And now I'm I'm doing shadowing, specific shadowing, you know, not part of my job, but like during lunch breaks or whatever, mm-hmm. for example, um, I'll go to some of the docs. Now, um, my question with that is, should I also look to shadow in some civilian facilities because they're run very differently. They are run in a very lot of ways. Yeah, uh, so, and and that's actually it's it's funny you mentioned that because that is the specific reason why I avoid talking to military physicians on specialty stories because things are so different. Yes, rheumatology is rheumatology, but for the practicing physician who is active duty. They're doing so many other things on top of their their doctor duties, typically, and and so life is just so different, um, and the hospitals are run differently, and and everything else. So, um, should you go out in the civilian world and shadow? I don't think you need to. Uh, for the purposes of medical school, you are being around patients, you are being around physicians, you are seeing what that interaction is like. Yes, it's in a military setting, but that's okay. I wouldn't worry about that. What are your questions? All right. So I typed a couple up on a Word document, so I'd be ready in case you called. Nice. 
Um, just to give you some background information for answering my questions, I'm a non-traditional student. I graduated from college with a degree in biology in 2011, um, and then I graduated with a degree in nutrition um, in 2014. Um, so I just took a look at my um, prerequisites and finished up physics this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually took my final today. Nice. So Congrats. at this point, I'm, thank you. Um, I'm focusing on studying for the MCAT. I'm registered to take it on March 15th. Okay. Um, so my main question is just on my study strategy and to see if you have any suggestions for people who are so far out from their core classes. Study strategy for students who are so far out. So, so you're saying because you you took your classes so long ago, how do ah, you how yep. are you preparing for the MCAT? Yep, absolutely. And I can give you some background information just to tell you what I'm doing now. Um, and then I'd be really open to any suggestions. Well, I don't, I don't think so I need my... to know what you're doing now. I, I, I think the biggest thing to, to understand, and this is one of the reasons why I don't talk a lot about study strategy uh, in the pre-med sure. years, is because it's so specific to every student. Okay. And the, the way one student studies best is different, uh, at least in, in perception that another student studies. And so the, mm-hmm. the key thing is... Because the MCAT requires you to have a base level of knowledge, even though the way that it tests, it's more clinical thinking and analysis, you still have to know mm-hmm. that content. And for somebody like you who's had that content so long ago, what what you're going to have to do is just make sure that you're planning in and scheduling in probably more than average content review before you start diving mm-hmm. into a lot of the Q-banks and full lengths to, to make sure mm-hmm. that you go back and you reteach yourself a lot of the core knowledge that you're going to have to have. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful information. Some of the um, speakers or the guests that you've had on your show have strongly suggested taking a diagnostic before mm-hmm. you really start your study process. Yep. Do you, with the, the time I have from how long it's been, do you think it's fair to give myself the chance to fully review all the content <laughs> before? Because I have, I've been putting it off and then I feel guilty when I listen to the podcast Yeah, because I wanted to at least make it through all the material before I take my first diagnostic. Yeah, no, take take the diagnostic, just just bite the bullet and take it and, and okay. understand okay. that the score you're going to get probably isn't going to be super reflective <laughs> on, on okay. your knowledge or ability to score well on the real thing. It's just, it's, okay. a, it's a good thing to do just to kind of, get into that mindset and to kind of understand where you're at and, and hopefully where you're going to go. Okay. Awesome. Um, changing course. I have one other kind of topic for a question. Um, so in terms, I haven't ever applied to med school before, and so I'm not totally sure what I'll encounter once I start working on my actual application, Mm -hmm. um, through AAMC, but I do read a lot about what you're doing for research. So, um, and, and about just reflecting your research to different schools. So in terms of research, I'm in the process of basically applying to do a research study for my work. Um, so I've had the study approved by my institution and right now I'm in the process of applying for our IRB and tribal, tribal review board approval. 
Um, and so I'm expecting that when I apply at the beginning of the cycle in June, that will probably at best may have just been approved and I'll be starting the research process. But then when hopefully when I actually interview, I'll be in the progress of research, but I won't actually have anything studied, anything published or completed. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, is that something I can still mention? Is there a room for that? Of course, yeah. Or... Yeah, the the application is not only what you've done, but a lot of what you're planning Mm -hmm. on doing as well. Okay. And so as as long as you have kind of started the process, I would definitely Mm -hmm. put it on there. And okay. and the the end dates for the activities you can put out until the the start date the the anticipated start date of medical school, and so it's typically okay. a year and three months or so, um, mm-hmm. roughly that uh, that you can work your way out towards and and kind of work those hours in as well. Although I don't necessarily. Uh, agree with that but the 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 application guides say you can do that um so you can wow, definitely put okay. that on there and the fact that you've gone through the process and you've uh hopefully at that point have uh, an approved IRB and everything else shows mm-hmm. that that you're working towards this and then you can just talk about what you're hoping to do and then in okay. the future as you're going through the application process you can potentially send some update uh, an update letter to to show where you are in the process. Okay, that's awesome. That's super helpful to know. So what is your question? Um, so I'm a Canadian applicant and I was looking into American med schools. Mm-hmm. So what's like the main thing you would suggest for Canadian applicants looking to apply to America? Well, Canada is America. You do know that, right? What do you mean? In what sense? <laughs> Canada is North America. It's one of those oh, things. I mean, like, US. Uh, US, US. I know, I know what you mean. Uh, um, so as a Canadian applicant applying to U.S. medical schools, really uh, what the, the biggest question that I get asked is what medical schools are the most Canadian friendly? And I don't keep a list like that. It may change from okay. year to year. Uh, the only one school that I know is Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. They actually hold, last time I looked, I think it was 25 seats for Canadian students uh, because they have a relationship with Canada and the Osteopathic Society in Canada to try to boost osteopathic medicine in Canada. And so that's the one super, um, super Canadian friendly school that I know of. But really, any medical school, potentially, where you have potentially significant ties may uh, may be Canadian friendly. And the one story that I have for this is uh, last year I was working with a student who is Canadian who applied to the University of Kentucky, right? State school, public state school, where one would assume she wouldn't have any chance. But when they ask, like, why are you applying to us? She goes, well, my, my uncle lives in Kentucky and I, as a family, we go and visit Kentucky every year. And right. she was actually invited for an interview. They're like, okay, oh, cool. Um, and, and so they saw her. They obviously liked her stats and her story and everything else. Uh, but because she had ties to the state, she, uh, she was granted an interview. And so she got, uh, I think, three or four interviews here in the U.S. She's, she's now at a U.S. medical school. So it's just okay. doing your homework and seeing which ones, 
which medical schools explicitly won't take Canadian students. Uh, right. Looking at the MSAR helps because it actually shows you how many international students apply and how many were actually interviewed. Uh, schools right. may say that they accept Canadian students, but then when you actually look at how many they interview, it's zero. Um, some okay. schools may consider Canadian students out-of-state applicants and not international yeah. applicants. So it's it's okay. such a hard thing because every school is so different. It just takes some time to do some research. Okay. Okay, and then speaking about research, because I'm looking to apply in next year's cycle. Okay. Um, so how early should I start my, I guess, research into looking at schools? Like right now, during Christmas break, or they, can it, I wait till Yeah, long? it doesn't hurt to start now if you have time. Right. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot that goes into the application to be able to apply on time right, right around the beginning of June. Uh, the, okay. the personal statement, extracurriculars, all that fun stuff. MCAT, if you ha- haven't already taken it. Uh, and right. school list for students who I'm working with in the States is one of the last things we work on because it's really not that important. But for mm-hmm. you, as you're trying to figure out to what schools will actually uh, take a look at your application as a Canadian right. applicant, uh, there's no harm in starting to research now and just chip away right. at it as you go. Right. And then also, if like, let's say I get into an American school, I hear some people say that um, it's easy to come back to Canada, and I hear people say the opposite. So... Does it is it harder for U.S. Uh, medical students to come back to Canada if they're from Canada? Or um, so I I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know enough about the Canadian medical system post medical right. school. It's right. It, do they consider U.S. trained MDs international medical mm-hmm. graduates? I think right. they do. And oh, really? okay. I, I think they do. And, and that's a huge asterisk because I've known plenty of of Canadians uh, who come down to the U.S. and then go back up to Canada to 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 finish their training and, and do all that fun stuff. Um, right. So so I'm going to put a big asterisk on that. And okay. if if somebody listening to this knows this, I know Kenyon is probably listening and, and he probably knows it. Kenyon is is uh, our resident uh, Canadian expert in the hangout. Um, so, oh, really? so he okay. may, uh, he may know the answer to that. Yeah, reach out to him. Yeah. And then also um, for the MCAT, what's like a good score? That <laughs> you would- yeah. So good score, the, the average, uh, the average <clears throat> MCAT score for matriculants, the newest data that was <laughs> just updated in November of this year, I think, yeah. um, is a five eleven. That's the, the average for matriculants. Now, if you are Canadian looking to go to a Canadian medical school, uh, you know Mm -hmm. uh, that hopefully that CARS is a huge, um, a huge section for Canadian medical schools. They want to see like 130, 131 in the CARS section, and they kind of ignore, in in air quotes, ignore the other stuff. But obviously, if you're scoring that well in the CARS section, you're probably doing well in the other sections as well. Right, right. And then um, I heard, at least when I was doing some research, I saw that American schools have like a, what they call it, BPCM something, yep. GPA, as, yep. as well as your, like the science GPA or something. Yep, so, the science GPA. Because um, I calculated my regular GPA, which was 3.7, okay. and then that GPA was like 3.5 something. Okay. So yeah. um, in American terms, is that like a competitive GPA or? That's about average. Like a, that's, that's average? Okay. Yeah, it's about average. Okay. So what's like a, 
what's a competitive GPA? I mean, you're for, looking I mean, at like three eight plus typically, if if you want to okay. talk yet, yeah. And then I see a lot of people on the page talking about um they got a three but they got in and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Does that Definitely. Just mean you have a lot more experience type thing or? Yeah, well, the like, the, the application the application is much more than stats, and so right. as long as okay. you can get over the thresholds that schools have and mm-hmm. you end up on the desk of somebody reviewing your application mm-hmm. as long yeah. as you have good enough MCAT score, good enough GPA and you have right. the the story, the personal statement mm-hmm. and extracurriculars that back up who you are and why you want to be a doctor and you're a good fit for the school, there's always a chance of getting in. Um, so speaking of extracurriculars, so because I'm not really into sports, right? Mm-hmm. But I do do a lot of volunteer. Do med schools want to see like that balance of, okay, like, okay, do a lot of volunteers. Sure, but what about like your physical health? Like what about sports and stuff like that? Does that really matter? Is it just no. like doing something you love and just no. doing it? Like, yeah, just for do, years? Okay. do what you enjoy. That's fine. Okay. All right, there you have it. Tons of Q&A. Thank you to everyone who sent me your phone number so I can give you a call and have your questions answered here on the podcast. Again, go follow Medical School HQ, that's me, on Instagram, trying to hit 10,000 followers by December 31st. And go join the pre-med hangout if you're not already in there so that you don't miss opportunities like our Q&A that we did for this episode. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.